guys, I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and you're listening to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm the chief creative officer, a motivational speaker, and a life and business coach at a company called Rayma Team. I'm also thriving in the face of a life-threatening illness called cystic fibrosis. This weekly podcast is a series of real-life stories and conversations meant to encourage you with hope and more importantly, equip you with action steps to transform your life, your career, and your relationships. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. All right, Overcomers, welcome to another episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. And this week, we actually have a he who overcomes sharing his story. So my guest today is Patrick Metzger, and he is a life and high performance coach and motivational speaker who inspires and supports others in discovering and igniting their ultimate potential and highest performance through living healthier, happier, and more balanced and fulfilled lives. After spending more than a decade as a public school teacher and a coach, he left a stable and promising career to pursue a life of more happiness and fulfillment. Patrick now mentors and coaches clients nationwide and works with businesses in putting special focus on the areas of high performance, identity, self-development, and health and wellness. So let's dive in with our coffee and hang out with Patrick. All right, Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Hi there, Mandy. How is it going today? Super wonderful day. So you are joining us from where? From Castleton, North Dakota. Castleton, North Dakota. And something that our listeners may not know is that we actually went to the same high school. Yes. And like I uh, said on the phone the other day, I don't remember the last time I saw you. Mandy, in it's person, been a long time, I, like years, possibly decades. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. So, well, it's been great to kind of reconnect with you and to watch um, how your business and your your coaching mission has grown online. And so thanks for being a guest today. I really want to share your story with our listeners and kind of talk about how how you got here. How did you end up going from being a high school teacher and a, and a coach to being a high perform- performance coach and health coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much time do we have? (laughs) You know what? These episodes are anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. So (laughs) let's just see where the conversation goes. I've got, I've got a good hour set aside for you. So however far you want to take it. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I tell people all the time, it's been a crazy, crazy journey. Um, You know, I'm somewhere right now that I never, ever dreamt, thought, planned I would ever be. Uh, But with that, you know, I'm also a very strong believer, uh, and, and even more so the last handful of years since things have kind of started changing in the path that you take is really the path that you are meant to take in life. And it's, it's difficult because while you're on that path, so many times you look at your present states or where you're at and you think, what in the world am I doing here? I'm not meant to be here, you know, but uh, as I look back on things that have happened, man, every single thing has played a role in getting me to, to where I am now. Which is which is pretty wild, mm-hmm. but uh, no, kind of going back. Um, 
You know, yeah, like you said, I was a teacher for 11 years, uh, actually an elementary teacher, uh, fourth grade mainly, did lots of coaching, uh, football track, was very heavy into strength and conditioning type stuff. Wellness has always been very, very important to me uh, and continues to be in in all the clients I work with and, and all the work that I do just because it's so important as far as your energy, your mood, your self-confidence, uh, all those things stem off of uh, how you feel about yourself and uh, and the energy that you have and, and just your overall health and wellness really in general. But uh, no, I, I uh, went to college for teaching. I graduated with uh, two teaching degrees, a coaching minor, uh, taught for 11 years. And then in my 11th year of teaching, really uh, kind of just honestly hit a brick wall. Uh, mentally, I just felt like, man, there's something else out there. Uh, I really felt like I was being called to do something else. Mm-hmm. And I've always really questioned when people say that or when I have heard people <laughs> say that in the past, like it felt like yeah. I was called to do something else. Like really? But uh, man, I can relate because it happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was about the third or fourth week of September of my 11th year of teaching. And I had just switched schools a couple years previous because I was really toying with the idea of, you know, is it teaching I need to get out of, or is it just a new uh, energy, a new environment I need to put myself in? So I actually changed schools. I went from Castleton uh, to Fargo Public, uh, taught at an elementary up on the north side there for a couple years. And like I said, got into my third year in Fargo and boom, hit the wall. And I ended up sitting down with multiple people, with my wife, uh, talked with my parents, talked with my principal of just where I was. And everybody was very open, very honest with me. And I, I just really led myself to the conclusion that if I'm not happy doing what I'm doing, and I don't feel like I'm reaching the potential that I have in me, mm-hmm. it's time to do something else. And you can't sit there and waste time uh, doing something if you're not happy doing it, or mm-hmm. uh, if it feels kind of like a dead end road for you, which is kind of how it, how it felt for me. I, I, really, I really kept asking myself the question, can I see myself doing this in 10 or 20 years? Mm-hmm. And the answer was no way. Well, why am I going to continue down that path or down that road if it's somewhere that I don't want to end up? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I left, I had resigned. I was very lucky. My principal was able to get me out of there. I had a fantastic sub come in and cover my classroom the rest of the year. But I went from teaching into uh, executive recruiting for six months, which was a fantastic experience. Uh, I mean, recruiting high-level executives in the Fargo area and beyond Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fantastic uh, skill building career as far as communication and learning about business because education and business world are like two separate bubbles Yep, that very, very rarely collide. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for six months. And then uh, in the meantime, I kind of started putting together plans for my online training and nutrition business where I was going to do strictly just online programming for people. And that really came to me after I read the book Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay. It was yet to read that book, but I do follow him online. So (laughs) yeah, he's pretty brash. I mean, very black and white, Mm -hmm. uh, right to the point, but man, he's, he has such good stuff and and makes such a good point about just life. Like, man, if you want it, go after it. Uh I mean, stop delaying, stop waiting, stop complaining, stop blaming your environment. It's on you. Mm -hmm. So I read that book and it really got me thinking about, uh, man, why don't I, because I've always had kind of deep down, I've always kind of known I've had sort of that entrepreneurial spirit of wanting to do my own thing, rolling the dice on myself. Uh, that's always kind of been a part of me. 
So I was putting together those plans in the meantime, and then I actually got the opportunity to manage a gym in Castleton, and my wife and I had just adopted a newborn daughter, so it allowed me the opportunity to work from home a little bit. I didn't have to commute, and I saw it kind of as a stepping stone toward uh, my training online training business. So I thought I'll work in this gym for a while uh, until I get my online business cranked up, and then hopefully I can start to pull back and then get into that full time. Well... Long story short, I did that for nine months, and then uh, the guy that I got involved with, who I was warned not to get involved with and tried to give him the benefit of the doubt, uh, fired me after nine months. This was literally a couple weeks after we started talking about benefits and all these other things. Uh, so it really, I mean, boom, like out of the blue. And this was about a year and a half ago. Uh, so it really just threw me into the deep end of the pool. I mean, sink or swim, man. Mm -hmm. I really toyed with the idea of, do I look for another job, uh, pursue another career? And then I had this online business, which had started and was doing pretty well. I had started working with clients nationwide already. And I really started thinking long-term. All right, long-term, if if the my own business is somewhere I want to go, then that's what I'm going to pursue. Mm -hmm. And it took an enormous amount of courage. I mean, financial... Uh, fears, uh, fear of failure. What if this doesn't work out? Uh, it was, uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when you start your own business, there's so much to it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I decided to do that. Uh, I hopped on a plane to Reno, Nevada. Boom! A couple of weeks later, and uh, I have a relative that's a journalism instructor at University of Nevada, Reno, and he. We did a video shoot, photo shoot. Uh, he put together a website for me and boom, we were off and running. Awesome. And so that was, we did, uh, I did that for a couple months and then really started to see, man, there's so much more to this. Mm -hmm. I really want to reach their full potential and really max out their potential. You got to get deep with people. Mm -hmm. And this was about the same time I started working with a business coach from San Diego uh, last summer, last May. And he really just absolutely took me to a whole nother level. He said, Patrick, you got to be, he goes, you're way more talented than what you're doing. Mm -hmm. said, you got to get away from the training stuff. He said, you got to get deep with people. You got to start speaking. Uh, you have to really start addressing the overall issues people are dealing with. Mm -hmm. Well, really, I started morphing about, about 100 miles an hour. Every client I brought on as I worked with him, I got deeper. Uh, we worked with them longer. Uh they started paying me more money, which was fantastic too. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was so awesome because you started to see the overall change in the person. Mm -hmm. you know, the value that I was providing was making such a difference in people's lives. Uh, it was just, it was mind blowing. Mm -hmm. of the mental change and transformation that I started to see in people of focusing on their health and wellness, but uh, very quickly, it turns into talking about their family and talking about their career and uh, smashing some of those fears and doubts they have about themselves and uh, really digging into things like uh, self-identity and, and making them become more self-aware and getting them more organized. Uh, and you just started to see people blossom. Mm -hmm. So uh, really, yeah, I, I went from, uh, long story short, I went from a year and a half ago to doing online strength and nutrition training after just getting fired uh, to where I am now doing really uh, basically high performance coaching with people now mm -hmm. where my typical client is somebody that uh, comes to me and says, hey, I might be struggling with, you know, these one or two things, you know, I really want to advance my career. I want to step into a bigger role. 
Uh, but I also want to work on my marriage. I want to be a better spouse. I want to be a better parent. Uh, so they usually have one or two kind of focus areas. But what I really do is how can we take every area of your life and boom, raise it? Because as you improve one area of your life, every other area will rise. You know, kind of like the saying, you know, the a rising tide uh, raises all boats or whatever it is. Yep. You know, as someone improves their health, wellness, or as somebody uh, becomes more self-confident or they uh, start uh, becoming a better parent and spouse, it bleeds over into all those other areas of their life. You mm-hmm. know? So it's really, really now about uh, maxing people out in every category of their life. Mm-hmm. So I I love this this idea and this passion that you have for people is really just flowing through. Like I know people can't see this video right now because we're, it's just an audio podcast, but you are just passionate and you really believe in what you're talking about. Like that flows out of you that, and I can see that. Um, One of the things that, that I have noticed in my nearly a decade of coaching people and, and definitely over the last five years of coaching thousands of people across the nation. It's, it's always fascinating because people come to us for one thing, not realizing that what they really need to work on is that deeper thing. And so I love that you touched on that because I think there's this interesting thing that's happening in the self-help, personal growth, professional growth world, where there's so many voices, so much noise to listen to that if you're not careful, you can just go from thing, event to event, book to book, and constantly be absorbing it all, but not activating it. And so I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's people that, um, and, and you probably have because you touched on it, people who are skeptical of, of the coaching industry, um, skeptical of these phrases like maximize your potential, emerge as your best self, live your best life. They sound fluffy on the on the surface, which Mm-hmm. is probably why you were skeptical of it before, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yep. So as as a coach working with the caliber of of clients that you've worked with, what have you noticed for um for people being able to overcome that mindset? Have you noticed that they they kind of dive into coaching with with a little bit of hesitation or are the people that you work with seeing that hey there's something deeper going on there and I need this? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I've, I've definitely seen both, Mandy. Uh, I would say most people that come to me, uh, I always say there's about two or three things they consistently say. They say something's just not right or they say I'm stuck or I, I just don't know where to start are usually the things that I really frequently hear and I'm sure you hear a lot of the same, a lot of the same phrases from people. Yep. Uh, I would say most people realize they're struggling at least in one area. But as you mentioned, a lot of times what they think is their struggle is a result of a struggle elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of it comes down to things like organization and time management. And uh, a really big one is lack of vision and clarity that so many people mm-hmm. have in their life. Uh, they, they honestly have never taken the time to sit and think about who am I, where am I going, what do I want? Mm-hmm. And it leads them to just grasp for things in their life, looking for happiness or things to fulfill them. And they, they say, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what's wrong. Well, what's wrong is they honestly don't know themselves and they've never just really sat down and, and dissected what their life is all about. 
And like you said, that, that sounds kind of fluffy and people go like, what in the world? What does that even mean? You know, where do you start with something like that? But uh, large, large majority of people, once they start doing it, man, they come to some really fast realizations. Uh, like, for example, on my strategy calls that I do with people uh, that I offer for free, by the, by the end of it, I always ask them, all right, what's been most helpful to you on this call? And the things, and the things potential clients always say to me is, man, you ask really tough questions, Patrick. <laughs> or they say, I have never thought about that in my life before, Patrick. I have never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of smile because I'm like, yeah, that's why you're on the call with me is because you've never taken the time to sit and think about some of those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah, I, I would definitely agree. You know, the, the coaching industry, especially around here, it's so new. And people are very, very skeptical about it. And they think, you know, it's only for your, maybe your super high level CEOs, things like that. But uh, man, I've worked with everyone from a stay at home parent to CEOs, managers, uh, you name it. And everybody struggles with the same issues. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot of it is the same. uh, A lot of it is the same struggles. It's a lot of the same obstacles as far as just mindset and, and people don't know how to get through or around or navigate some of those obstacles in their life. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you learning how to be a coach? Because like you said, having a business, being a teacher and in the education world, they're two different things. And as a coach, you you constantly have to um, kind of work through that pull to uh, tell them and teach them things versus listen and draw the best out of them. So what was that like learning how to do that? And, and how did you do it? Uh, first of all, it's a, it's an ongoing process. You know, as, as a teacher, I'll be the first to admit, uh, when you teach something, you are always learning it as well, you know, and becoming an entrepreneur and becoming a coach is the best self-development that you can yourself be involved with as well. You know, I think of every client I work with, I'm always learning things about myself as well as I, as I'm taking them through things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, like you mentioned, the, the approach that, uh, the approach that a coach takes, and I think there's a lot of people that misunderstand this. They think a coach is sitting there telling them what to do. You need to do this. You need to do that. You know, I wouldn't do this. Oh, that's not very smart. And it's, and it's not that coaching is really about, like you said, asking the right questions and, uh, the quality and depth of your questions reveal quality and deep answers from people, you Mm -hmm. know, and a lot of people don't know how to ask those questions of themselves or they're looking for advice from biased sources, friends, family that don't want to be honest with them. Uh, And, you know, I just had a guy the other day sign up with me and the number one thing he wanted is he said, Patrick, I want somebody that has no idea who I am, what I'm about to just be honest with me. And that, that's honestly what he told me. And I'm like, hey, man, I, I can do that for you. No problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, young guy, I mean, 25 years old, uh, makes a lot of money looking to transition into something else because he's just not happy with what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But he was really looking for just guidance on what do I really want to do? Where do I want to go? Uh, I'm just not happy with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I find that so interesting because you've got you've got people who are young making a lot of money and finding out that's not the answer to mm-hmm. fulfillment. You've got yourself who was in a stable job and that wasn't fulfillment. And so from, from what you've seen with the people that you work with, what do you think are the ingredients of a fulfilling life? 
Man, if any, if anyone could answer that question, huh? <laughs> kind of a loaded question, right? It, yeah. it probably uh, is different for everybody, but exactly. I think it's, it's fascinating because there does seem to be a pattern when you work with people as a coach that that you see, you know, it might be a lot of different things that are the ingredients for a filling, fulfilling life, but it really comes down to that person and relationships and and you know, finding satisfaction in the gifts that they are bringing to the world. Like that's what I've seen with with the clients that we work with. And and I was just curious if if it's similar with the clients that you've you've worked with as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I yeah, I would agree, Mandy, that I would say the recipe is very similar, but it's in differing ratios for everybody. You know, some people need a lot more career success to be per se happy and it makes them happy. You know, some people make oodles of money and it just doesn't do it for them. Uh, but I would say, you know, if there's really a couple things that I see most common in people is number one, people, if they have not identified their values and really are true to those and center their life around those things, they aren't happy. They go off the rails and they don't realize why. Uh, because they don't know what those values are. And then second thing is, uh, you know, you look at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I just posted something about this the other day. The very, very top of what people want is that self-actualization, that that feeling of I am absolutely tapping out uh, and being the best that I can. Mm-hmm. And most people stop somewhere halfway up that pyramid of, you know, I'm kind of happy, you know, I'm kind of getting some fulfillment and things here and there. Uh, And then they go, man, there's just something missing. Well, what's missing is you need to, you need to pursue that fullest potential if you really, really want to be most happy with yourself. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've talked a little bit about what your, your journey was going from being a teacher to being a coach and having your own business. What are some of the things that you have personally overcome either yourself or with your wife that have have taught you the lessons that essentially helped you become an effective high perform performance coach oh man one of the biggest ones is uh my wife and i are adoptive parents so we we were married for uh three years uh started trying to have kids uh nothing was working uh, did infertility treatments for, I believe, about six years. Uh, we did IVF four times. We tried donor eggs. We did about everything you can imagine. And uh, we just kept going. We just kept pursuing it because we said we both had the feeling of we are meant to be parents. doesn't matter what route, what path it is. Uh, but just keep going and keep moving forward and just control what you can control. You know, your your sphere of influence in life is so small and people, you know, people think they have so much control over their environment or they want to blame their environment for so many things around them when uh, they fail to realize, you know, there's very, very little that you can control, but you can always control yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, every day you can control your mood, you can control your energy, you can control how hard you work, you can control how friendly you are to other people, how generous you are, and I go on and on and on. Uh, but what that really taught us was just persistence and resilience, you know, and it's, it's helped me so much in just starting my business because it takes that approach. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, and I think that really relates to a lot of things that I work with with clients as far as you got to be resilient, you got to be persistent, you have to be willing to take on obstacles in your life. You know, everybody wants to take the easy way out. Everybody wants the easiest method for everything. And what happens is when people choose that, they don't learn about themselves. They don't grow. They don't develop. They get stuck in their identity mm-hmm. and they wonder what's going on. Well, you've never, you've, you've avoided every possible challenge in your life and you maybe whether it's fear or whatever it was that has kind of held you back from taking on those things. But when you do that, it, it really, really holds you back and, and prevents you from growing and developing as a person, which is so, so important, which, which again, leads to, to happiness. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. And, and I love that you have that point of view of that, that hardship of those years of, of, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of heartbreak oh, a ton, yeah. years, um, for both you and your wife and, and just finding that resilience to keep going when so many people would give up or some marriages don't even, don't even survive that. And so what, what was the experience like when you decided that adoption was, was a route you wanted to try? You know, it's adoption was one of those things where we never thought about it until it started becoming a possible option down the road. You know, when we first started uh, trying to have kids, no one ever expects you're going to have trouble having kids. You just think it'll happen, right? Uh, And then, you know, you go through that process. And as you get further along and you realize, man, this isn't working, this isn't working, this isn't working. And then you're getting to the very kind of end of your options. Now you really start uh, seeing kind of the elephant in the room saying, geez, what if this doesn't work? Mm -hmm. And you can either choose to quit or you can say, hey, that's, I guess that's another option. And for my wife and I, we, you know, as we got closer to that point, we always said, you know, we're meant to be parents. We want to be parents. And if, I guess, if the good Lord decides that it, uh, we're going to adopt instead of having our own biological children, then that's the path we're meant to take. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since, since we got our daughter, Zara, um, she's just an absolute little sweetheart. She's two and a half now. There's never been a day in our lives where we thought she doesn't really feel like ours or, you know, she's an adopted child. Uh, we've never, ever, ever thought that. You know? mm-hmm. And going through the process, people will tell you that, you know, that, that you feel like they're your own, your own flesh and blood. And, and, uh-huh really does. How long was that process from the time you decided until the, the time that you, you found Zara? It was about eight years. You wow. Know, so you think of, you know, being persistent and resilient towards something for eight years and an absolute roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, it was literally like a two or three month buildup and then just boom, heartbreak. And then you take mm-hmm. a few months off to kind of recover mentally, financially, uh, in every way. And then you'd kind of start it all over again. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, it was a journey, man. Uh, it really, it really taught us to just embrace the process and try to be, try to be where you're at and mm-hmm. enjoy where you're at. And there's things that are out of your control that you can't, you cannot do anything about in life. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, stressing, don't get anxious about them because there's nothing you can do. It's just, it's a, it's a waste of focus and energy doing that. And it's really hard to uh, hard for a lot of people, I think, to grasp that concept of you know how are you tell me not to stress, not to get worried about this because it's it's a big deal. But 
when it's out of your control and you finally allow yourself to, to believe that, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's very mentally freeing as well. Mm-hmm. So, and how long have you guys been married? Uh, 13, 13 years. Okay. 13 years and eight years of that was persisting towards this dream of being parents. Yep. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's, thank you. Um, I think that that story, there's so many people that are struggling with this and even, even struggling waiting for an adoption to come through. And so I think sharing that story can be really helpful. We had, uh, a couple episodes ago, I had one of our clients on who talks about her journey with uh, an open adoption. And so I think, I think adoption is something that we need to talk about more because it is an option and there's so many kids that need loving families. And so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, the thing with adoption too is it's not what you think, you know, like, like looking back at the attitude we went into it with and thinking what it was and what it wasn't uh, is so different than, uh, than what it really is. You know, we have an open adoption. Uh, We actually, in a few weeks, we're probably going to go down and see our birth mom. Uh, She lives in the Minneapolis area. We see her once or twice a year. Uh, Mm -hmm. We exchange pictures. uh, We're commenting on social media stuff of each other's. Uh, We have a fantastic relationship. So it's really it is really a lot different than I think a lot of people see from the outside. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exciting. So another question that I have for you is what was your wife's response to you wanting to start your own business? She was, she was very open to it uh, because again, like I said, my business kind of just started as a side thing, very small. In the meantime, while I was working full time, uh, she kind of knew my long-term goals. We had talked about that of, you know, really pushing it to another level eventually. Uh, but our plan was, you know, taking a few years to do that. We never ever dreamt that in uh, a handful of months that it was going to be like, boom, all right, you're either, you know, you're in the deep end of the pool. Like I said, you're either going to go uh, head first and go after it uh, with your business, or are you going to kind of continue as is and find something else in the meantime? So she was, she was very, very supportive. And the thing I can say too about my wife through this whole process of the last few years is, man, I've seen her grow so much. Uh, and and I, I talk about this in, in my keynote talk that I give as well of how as she and I have really focused on developing ourselves as individuals, it has made us grow so much closer uh, as a couple. Mm-hmm. That is so true. My my personal growth journey started a decade ago, and my husband had the option to either join me on this journey or not. And he decided to dive headfirst with me. And we spent a couple years going to a lot of personal growth events like every few months. And I think because of what we learned through that and the industry that I'm in now because of it, we really are closer too. And it's it's something that um, I'm not sure we would have made it had we not gone through all of that together with all mm-hmm. the things that we've gone through since then, losing our home to a fire, me getting sick with my health and almost dying, like all these different things, him working in the oil field and having that two week on, two week off type of schedule and lifestyle. I mean, all of those stresses can either make a couple stronger or grow them apart. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that there's so many people that that we work with where um, because in the past we've primarily worked with women and we recently rebranded our company and now we work with men and women and one of the things that we constantly get asked is how do I get my spouse to come on board with me on this personal growth journey and there's two things you can do you can invite them along or you can work on being your best self and doing the work so that they actually see the fruit of that. And then they don't think it's such a fluffy thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's so amazing when you have the couples that are in it together because you really do grow closer. Yeah, most, most definitely. I've, I've worked with a lot of individuals where their spouse uh, was, was a little skeptical maybe. And by the end of it, they were all in on everything too. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were reading all the information I'm sending them, uh, and and I really try to get them involved too uh, with everything that I do. I mean, I as I work with individuals, I really want them to bring their spouse along for the journey with everything from meal planning to looking at your relationship to uh, conversation points. Uh, because if, like you said, Mandy, if if they don't come along for the journey, it really creates a wedge. Uh, and, and can really be uh, detrimental to your relationship, definitely. So the other day, Patrick, when we were on the phone, we kind of talked about the ups and downs of, of growing your business and how you mentioned that you took some time to kind of scale back and think things through and plant a lot of seeds. Can you kind of talk about what that experience has been like and what, what is growing from that now? Because mm-hmm. you took the time to do that, which can be a real scary thing when you're a business owner to be like, what? Scale back, not do so much. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it's really helped you and it's worked out well for you. And I think it would be really beneficial for our listeners to hear what that has looked like and felt like for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I, first of all, I can compare it to uh, working with a client where you know, clients at times have to scale back things in their life too, and put more focus and energy elsewhere uh, because they're maybe kind of falling off the map or derailing in a certain area. And for me, uh, you know, it was, it was probably about three or four months ago. Um, Business was really slow for me. Uh, I knew that I wasn't getting out and my brand wasn't getting pushed out there and I wasn't being seen. Uh, and, and it was really tough because there wasn't much money coming in with uh, clients being signed and things like that. It was just a really slow period. And I kind of looked at it as, all right, there's kind of two ways I can go with this. I can either really take control of this and try to run with it and uh, do something about it long term. Or I can really sit here and kind of complain and wallow about it and, and uh, go round and round trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And for me with my business, first of all, I've always taken the long-term approach. I mean, if you, if you are an entrepreneur, I think that's where a lot of people mess up is they want to play the short game of, you know, I need, I need money. I got to pay my bills. You know, I want these short-term successes and happinesses that will keep me going when, man, you really got to plan and do everything long-term. I mean, you got to dump money right back into your business instead of your bank account sometimes. Uh, and you really have to plan for months, for years down the road of where do you want to be? And you really have to ask yourself that question, I think, in every decision you make. 
is, is this benefiting me only in the short term or is it going to benefit me more long term? So what I really did is I chose to, all right, I'm going to have to sacrifice some things here. First of all, I'm going to have to sacrifice money and the financial piece uh, coming in for a couple months, probably. And what I really did is, I mean, honestly, I just started hustling. I started calling. I started emailing. I started setting up appointments. I started doing every possible thing that I had control over. Uh, and for weeks, I mean, for probably about two months. And then I waited and waited. And obviously, I'm doing things in the background while all this is going on. But just now, I mean, in the last few weeks here, all those seeds are kind of starting to sprout. People I talked to have talked to other people. Uh, people have started to see. I, I've created much a much larger brand awareness. And I actually just yesterday, I, I was having dinner in Fargo. A guy walked in and he goes, holy smokes, man. He goes, Patrick, you are blowing up everywhere. I see you absolutely everywhere online. And I was just like, all right, I was doing my job then because that was the purpose of it. You know, but uh, yeah, I, I really just focused on building relationships and not worrying about money and not trying to chase money so much. And just, you know, how can I provide value, help others and, and just and just get out, be seen more. And uh, it's, it's and it's really, really benefit me. I mean, with a lot of opportunities coming in the last couple of weeks now. Mm hmm. What what is your perspective and belief on the idea of like work life balance? That's another one of those fluffy sounding uh, <laughs> phrases that gets thrown around. And I mean, we use it here at Rayma team. But when you really dig into it, it's deeper than that. So just curious, because I see it as something you talk about. On you talk about prioritization and balance, and so what are some of the the things that you teach people about that? Yeah, I, I would agree that that the whole work life balance phrase is something where people think you know oh I'm working on my laptop at home you know and that's and I can choose my hours and that's work life balance. Well, uh, to me to me work life balance is a whole different beast. Uh, to me, I always, I always bring myself back to uh, when I think work-life balance or just balance in general, I always bring myself back to John Maxwell's theory of uh, the rubber band. So if you're not familiar with his theory, his rubber band theory is all the stresses and things you have to do in life uh, all put tension on you. And you have to know the total cumulative tension that you can handle in your life. And there's times where you're going to stretch that band completely tight in certain areas, whether it's career, whether it's family, whatever it may be. But when you stretch one band, you have to give elsewhere. You know, your other bands have to loosen up. You have to pull back time-wise uh, from some of those other things in your life when you really have to put focus elsewhere. So to me, work-life balance is, uh, you know, how I imagine it is – you know, I'm busting my butt all day long, but when uh, my wife and my daughter walk in the door at 10 after five, it's like, boom, computer's closed. I'm done. I try not to do anything and it doesn't always happen, but try not to do anything until she goes to bed at eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to spend all my time with them, try to spend all my time with my daughter. We go to the park, we go on bike rides, we do all that stuff. Uh, you know, and then a lot of nights right now, it's just the phase that I'm in. The second she's in bed, boom, I'm hopping on my laptop and my wife and I are sitting out in the patio talking while I'm pecking away at some work stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, so to me, that is work-life balance. Uh, and there's times where weekends, I refuse to work. 
mm-hmm. there's other weekends where I'm working all day Sunday, you know, and it's, and it's just realizing where you're at and where you have to put focus for the time being without doing it for too long where you start to neglect or become oblivious to some of those other things in your life. Because I think that's very easy to do, especially with very, very career driven people is they push and they push and they push and they push and they really neglect things like family or their health uh, for too long. Uh, and they're not kind of per se pulling that band back and forth often enough uh, to bring focus to that other item. And then it, it starts to burn them out or it starts to create problems uh, with relationships or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I think when it really comes down to balance, that sounds more like a, a healthy boundary than, than necessarily balance. Um, yes. Cause I think even John Maxwell will say that, you know, balance doesn't exist. It's, because there are seasons in life where you have to give more time, more, more energy and more focus to work than maybe other seasons of life. And I think what it really comes down to is knowing those boundaries of being fully aware when you are with the people that you love and with your, your top priority people. And also like what you're doing, you know, giving your, your daughter is young. She doesn't understand why would daddy be on a computer instead of, you know, going for a bike ride with me. Like, I don't, I don't get that. And, um, as parents, I believe you, you, you probably teach them that more through your actions than anything else. I'm not a parent, but I have had the privilege of, uh, watching my best friend parent her children and be a part of their lives. And they're watching, they're watching more than they're probably listening. Mm -hmm. Um, and, one of the things that we often talk about when we teach this work-life balance concept is we always dig into the actual definitions of some of these words because with the English language, we mess things up so often and we don't fully comprehend like, what does that mean? And one of the actual definitions of balance is having mental steadiness or emotional stability. It's a habit of calm behavior. And I think when when you pull that into the idea of healthy boundaries, it brings on a whole new awareness and and concept of what work life balance should look like or feel like. Yeah, def- definitely. I think uh, you you hit on a, a trigger word there: awareness. You know, your your highest performers in life and your people that are most successful are extremely self aware. And they know when they are reaching those breaking points and when they have to pull back or where they have to maybe redirect uh, certain things in their life, uh, whether it's career, whether it's family, uh, whether it's their health, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And I I also think that, you know, life is always an ebb and flow. And so you're never going to get it once and then keep it that way forever. It's constantly going up and down and you, you constantly have to value and reassess where am I at in life? How is this, how is this going? And I think whether you're doing that with your relationships or your health or your career, just your goals in general, I think it's good to assess often how it's going because a lot of these things are intangible. You don't always see them until you put it down on paper. Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the big, and that's one of the biggest things I really stress with everybody, Mandy, is, uh, well, first of all, I always talk about, you know, the three or four biggest things that get people off track in their life. It is a job change. It is a death in the family. 
uh, it is moving, uh, or it is something like having kids, you know, uh, major life events like that, uh, because they get you out of your routine. And when you've been out of your routine for a week, two weeks, three weeks, uh, a lot of people struggle to get back on track. And that's where they really start to uh, uh, derail, you know, and I've used that term a ton. But uh, that's where I really stress with everybody I work with is I call them anchors. You know, what do you, what are the anchors in your life that you have to do on a regular basis? I was just talking with a client yesterday about this. You know, is it getting up and working out each morning? Is it journaling or meditating at night? Um, is it, you know, a self-reflection form that you use to go back through your day or through your week and really think about what did I do well? Where did I help people? What could I have done better? Uh, where did I struggle? Uh, so I think people need to identify those things that they have to have in their life that will keep them uh, moving along and, and in the right direction. Because as soon as you start to throw those things out the window, uh, that's when that's when you become unhappy or you uh, start to see troubles uh, start to creep in. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a podcast episode in a couple of weeks uh, all about being burnt out. In fact, by the time this plays, it may have already come out. I'm not sure which one is coming out first as of today. But one of the things that I've noticed is when you when you're kind of a an achiever, um, or a type A personality, you can be motivated to or challenged to do things that maybe you really don't want long term. And that's where that self-awareness comes in. Like you have to know yourself well enough to know, okay, am I going to be challenged to do this even though I may not want to? And so an example of that would be um, with running. Like this year I've been running a lot. I've been training for a half marathon, which I've never done before. And my trainer is an elite athlete who is going after her goal of, of running in the Olympics. And wow. so her goals are different than mine. And she challenges me in great ways and she'll throw out different ideas. And as I've been going through this process, I've had to realize, okay, running is not like, like a life competitive goal for me. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not careful, I'll rise up to meet that challenge of, yeah, let's compete. Let's do these, these things and go across the country and compete because it sounds fun and it could be awesome. But it's going to take me away from writing that book. It's going to take me away from growing my business. It's going to take me away from all these other goals that have been hidden in my heart for decades, my entire life, really. And so for me, I've had to notice that Getting up in the morning and spending that time having coffee with God, watching the sunrise, is one of the most uh, fulfilling ways that I can kind of recharge. That's more fulfilling to me than getting up and running. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that I'm right and she's wrong, like or, or somebody else who likes to do something else. Um, some people don't like to journal; they like to do other things. I think journaling is good. Not that you have to do it all the time, but I think knowing what fills you up versus what you're being challenged to do to try to prove something that you never were supposed to prove is good to know because too many people can get pulled in all these directions. And I think that's why when you work with a coach like yourself or or like me, you, you start to really think, okay, what is it that I want? What am I doing every day to get there? And what are the things that are pulling me away from that? And not a lot of people stop to ask that. 
Mm-hmm. Very few. Yeah. Very, very few. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would, I would completely agree with that, man. The, you know, the thing is people want to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. They want to please others. They don't want to let somebody down, you know, when, you know, it sounds selfish to say it, but uh, it's very true. You have to worry about you first. Mm-hmm. You have to do what uh, I, I hate the cliche, but you have to fill your cup first. I mean, that's just the way it is. And when people start getting stretched everywhere else, uh, they start to realize, man, I'm not doing anything for my, for myself. And that's when they become unhappy and they wonder where they are and they wonder what's going on. And, uh, you know, I always use the terms FOMO and JOMO with people. You know, everyone has the fear of missing out when look to say no first. Mm-hmm. Look to say no. That should be your initial response when somebody asks you to do something or are you interested in this or do you want to do this? Uh, think no first. And it takes, and it's a big mindset shift, believe me. Mm-hmm. But there's joy in missing out on those things because where you don't put your unwanted focus and energy, that focus and energy ends up going into the things that you do really want and are very important to you. And then, and that's going to bring you more of that balance and fulfillment ultimately. Mm-hmm. So if you had to sum up your, uh, this whole episode of maximizing your full potential and going after what you want in life, what would be like the last, the last thought that you would want to leave with people today? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, man, I would probably say something along the lines of slow down in life and figure out what it is that you want and what you're about. Mm. Uh, I think most people don't take the time to do that. And especially with this, just with the society that we live in, everything is fast paced and how easy can we make it? And how can we avoid every challenge or obstacle to just get information at our fingertips or how to accomplish a task the easiest or uh, whatever it may be. And it just sends us going a hundred miles an hour. And when you're going that fast, you, you never, you never have a strong direction. You know, you're going into things very, very unintentionally. And when you don't have intent with what you are doing or where you are going, you're going to get lost. That's just how it is. You know, it's trying, it's like trying to drive a car hundred miles an hour and stay on the road, but you don't even know where you're going in the first place. Mm-hmm. You got to set, you have to set your sails. I always like to use the phrase, set your sails to where you want to get to, mm-hmm. but you got to do some deep thought to figure out, first of all, where is it that I want to get to, you know, and then, uh, and then just focus on the daily, you know, everybody wants to stare at the mountaintop and the big, long goals Instead of what can I do right now in the present, what's the first step I can take toward that goal or toward getting a little bit better uh, or whatever it may be, and just do that day after day after day um, until mm-hmm. you are moving in the right direction to really uh, what you want. Mm-hmm. It's all about mastering that, that resilience and that persistent everyday small step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, I always say it's the, it's the compounding effect of all those things too. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as you just, just start taking action, that's all you have to do. Don't wait for motivation because it's never going to mm-hmm. come. And it's fleeting. You know, it's yeah. all, I just posted something yesterday about that. Uh, just take action, just mm-hmm. one small step. And as you accomplish that, you'll build a little bit more confidence. Mm-hmm. And over time that compounds. And before you know it, you're confident, you're moving in the right direction, you're pursuing the things that are important to you and you're putting your energies there. And that is what is going to bring you happiness in life, ultimately. 
Mm-hmm. I saw this thing on, on Facebook the other day about breakthrough and how people are always looking for, hey, your breakthrough's coming, your breakthrough's coming, as though it's going to be this sudden thing. And <laughs> the whole the whole image that, that this post shared was how, you know, when you are um, when you are cutting down a tree, you know, you're, you keep swinging that ax, you keep swinging that ax and it's the final swing that causes the breakthrough. But without the, the, the swings before that, you never would have gotten there. And so it's this whole idea of you can't, you can't, uh, neglect the, the work, the effort, and you can't overlook that and only focus on the breakthrough or you're never going to get there. Yeah. Everybody wants to try to cut down the tree per se with one, with one swipe and, mm-hmm. and you're, ne- you're never, ever going to do that. It's all of the things that lead up to that. You know, you look at your, you look at your most successful people in, in life and in history, whether they're business owners, uh, whatever it may be, you know, your Warren Buffett's, your, uh, whatever, you know, there's your Jeff Bezos from Amazon and, and all those guys, you know, you look at their backstories, uh, which you rarely see, right? Yeah. All the fame and the glitz and the glam now that they have, but man, you look at the miles of crap that those guys walk through and the resilience and persistence that they had in getting to that point, the years of struggling and up and down and Mm -hmm. uh, financial struggles. I mean, relationships lost, uh, man, there's, there's a lot to it. It does, it does not happen overnight and Mm -hmm. people are just not patient enough because again, everything is so fast right now. They want it now. And anything good in life takes time. Mm -hmm. It does. Confidence, love, relationships, whatever it is, it never, it is impossible to reach those things overnight. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, the last question that I like to ask everybody is, uh, if you were a shoe, what would you be and why? And I absolutely love the answer that you sent. <laughs> yeah, I believe it or not, I read this question and right away I thought, oh my God, what? A shoe? <laughs> what does that have to do with? Like, where's the analogy there even, first of all? Okay, well, here's a little secret. It's when you study personalities, your answer tells me a lot about you. Yeah, no, no, I, I believe that. <laughs> But also, I love shoes, so why not? <laughs> yeah, my answer was, uh, I believe I said a steel toe work boot, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and my thought behind that was, you know, when you look at a steel toe work boot, there's kind of a different, couple different ways you can look at it. It could look fairly nice on the outside, you know, new, nice, nice, soft, supple leather, you know, when you first buy it in the store. And then after you start using it a little bit, it's going to get scuffed and it's going to get messed up a little bit, but it's durable. It's strong. And the biggest thing is it's solid in the middle. I mean, with steel toe, solid core. And when I think of myself, uh, that's kind of, that's ideally how, how I, you've really got me thinking about this since I had to answer <laughs> that, Mandy, by the way, but that is really how I picture myself. I mean, I'm, I'm a different, I'm a different personality when people run into me because I'm, I'm very black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm very, very real. A lot of people tell me that you're real, you're black and white. You don't beat around the bush. I love that. You're very relatable. Uh, but deep down inside, uh, I feel like I have a, a super, super solid core of what I'm about. 
and, and who I am. Uh, man, if you'd have asked me this a few years ago, I'd have had no idea what I would have said. Mm-hmm. I would have had no clue. But uh, yeah, on, on the outside, there's, there's some scuffs, there's some bruises, there's some scars, there's some things like that. Uh, but they also tell a story too. Mm-hmm. So I believe everybody has a story. Uh, and it's, it's about work ethic too, is, is mm-hmm. kind of I saw that, that boot representing me is it's about going, going to work every day and doing what you got to do. Uh, mm-hmm. and I don't mean necessarily work career. I mean, just in life, you know, as far as taking care of your family, as far as, uh, busting your butt to get what you want in life too. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think you are the only person I've asked so far that has said a work boot because of your work ethic. Okay. There's always, there's a lot of people that have said, you know, because of the sturdiness and, and, you know, the, the, uh, solid course and, you know, descriptions like that, but you're the first one who said anything about a work ethic. And I, I read that and I was like, yes, I love this. <laughs> this will be so good for people. No, I, I take a lot of pride in that. You know, I think back to the days of, uh, I mean, even when I was like an athlete in high school, I wasn't the most talented kid. Uh, but the reason I had success is because I I outworked and I outsmarted people. <laughs> um, it wasn't because I was super, super talented by any means. And I know a lot of those characteristics have carried over uh, into me as an adult, you know, and that's why I loved coaching because so many of those uh, traits and, and skills are lifetime applicable. Mm-hmm. Well, this has just been a joy to kind of reconnect with you and hear your story and hear your wisdom. Uh, where can my listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, you can, they can check out my website. Uh, so it's www.patrick-metzger.com. Uh, on that website, uh, if they're interested, they can sure schedule a free strategy call with me on there. Uh, you can also hit me up on social media. So I have a Facebook business page, uh, Patrick Metzger Coaching. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn as well. Uh, but yeah, I would, I, I love connecting with people. If I can help them out. Great. If I need to point them in a different direction, whatever it may be. Uh, it's, it's all about providing value. And, uh, you know, my mission is really just helping other people become better, become, uh, reach their, reach their potential ultimately. Mm-hmm. Well, you are the first official he who overcomes on my podcast. So yes. thank you for being the brave <laughs> leader in that. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again for listening. I'll be back with another episode for you next week. But for now, if you would take a moment and write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that would mean the world to me. I also want to give a shout out to my very handsome husband, Mr. Nate Anderson, for editing this podcast. For more information, go to www.ramateam.com. That's www.rayma.team.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram under the name Ms. Mandy B. Anderson. Oh, and one last thing. I hope you heard something today that gave you the courage to rise up and overcome that thing that you've been facing. You're stronger than you think. I'll see you next week.